1: is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I am AB, I am joined by Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all, it's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Uh, you know,
2: it's the last 48 hours before I get on a plane to go to Chicago and see y'all. So, you know, all the pre flight anxiety, uh, I did have a very eventful trip back from Miami when I did that. So, you know, that always hangs a little bit in your head. Uh, I know Aaron and Nate know this. Uh, I was at an airport that had a bomb threat when I was flying back because someone was mad he had to pay for a carry on and then said like that. And then it completely just had a travel day from hack. So I'm just trying to get the good fives needed to make sure that, you know, everything on Friday goes smoothly. Uh, how are you doing, A.B.?
1: Well, I'm doing okay, but Mike, I think this time in Chicago, on your trip back, thanks to no more BS, Paul White, you're going to be looking out for a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> huh? Do they call it that?
2: Did they call it that on TV tonight? I didn't notice if they did. I don't, I don't think they did, but that's what it's called.
3: WWE may have trademarked weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> <laughs> they may don't have. be the or, most or they, McMahon they thing. Bought, they bought the trademark off of uh, Colin Powell.
1: <laughs> and those beautiful tones were brought to you by our other co-host. It is, of course, Nate, a.k.a. Epidysis. What's up, Nate? What's up?
3: I mean, the guy's not wrong. It is bullshit that you have to pay for all your fucking baggage on flights now. You know, it, there's no, there's less legroom than ever. The seats are tighter than ever. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but it stinks. Flights, <laughs> these, these, you know... I was, uh, I, actually, I, I was I was talking to a friend uh, today, catching up uh, after hadn't talked to her for a while. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, really everything is getting worse except for wrestling. Wrestling is the only thing in the world that's getting better than it used to be. Because <laughs> for 20 years, there was one game in town that was awful. Um, and now we have a second game in town. So while everything else deteriorates and decays and falls apart and gets worse, uh, wrestling, whole new life. It's uh, pretty weird.
1: Yeah, you couldn't be more right. Wrestling is back, I think I've heard. I have heard that. People have been saying that.
3: Um, it, it, wrestling is back, and that is correlated with everything else being more
2: gone than ever. And that airplane food, am I right?
3: Airplane food? Actually, no, airplane food, not a complaint of mine. Uh, I guess mostly because I'm just surprised when I even get it.
2: That, that is fair. And usually you get like Cheez-Its or like a thing of like those Biscoff cookies. You're like, yeah, oh, those little, well, those little okay.
3: biscuity cookies, which I kind of like. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't. Oh, they're good. I'm surprised they, they bothered to give me anything. So, yeah.
2: Uh, my parents like those cookies that much that they went on Amazon and bought like a whatever, like the store box of availability of Biscoff cookies. So whenever I would go visit, they'd be like, do you want some cookies? I'm like, no, these are airplane cookies, guys. <laughs> like they're good, but they're not that good.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. You the thing about them is they're not that good, but getting them on the airplane makes them seem good. So you don't want to hmm. overexpose the Biscoff cookies.
3: It's hard to say if I agree with that because I've never <laughs> had one not on an airplane, I don't think. Exactly. There's a reason so, for that. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're just good in a vacuum. I Who can I say? I, don't,
2: I don't know. I mean, there's been like all the uh, like I'm trying to think that the culinary like experimentation about how people lose some of their palate strength up on the plane. So maybe the reason why we think those cookies are a little bit delightful is because it's overpowered. Because when I've had them on the on the ground, you know, not not 40,000 feet in the air, I'm like, oh, that is a super cinnamon cookie, which for me is good. I love cinnamon. But, you know, I think it's a cookie that's like designed for people's palates when you can't really taste anything in in an mm. airplane.
1: I don't have a segue for this, but my dog ate a baby rabbit today. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I I let him out in the backyard, both the dogs, I let him out. I sit on the, the deck while they, you know, do their business in the yard. I hear a weird noise. I look out. He's like digging into the grass. And I'm like, oh, no, this is bad. So I grab my shoes. I run down there. I note that there is a wounded animal near him. I thought it was a mouse at the time. So I lunge for Benny to grab him. He is a fucking tiny dog and he eludes me (laughs) and lunges right for what I later found was a baby bunny, has it in his mouth, runs around. I go after him, which was maybe my mistake, because he then eats the bunny in about, I don't know, two, three bites (laughs)
3: Oh <laughs> well, I mean I I suppose that's probably worse for him, but it's better for your yard and for you
1: having to clean anything up, right? Well there I mean that's true. I didn't have to like clean up the dead bunny yeah, that he if killed. If you had a
3: half eaten, you know, baby bunny crawling around near death, that would have been a lot more work for you. That's true. what I'm saying.
1: Then he's still kind of sniffing around. I lift up some grass, there's a whole nest oh there are uh, i mean it's now down to two but there are two i mean these are like probably can't open their eyes like geez little tiny baby bunnies
3: you got you got a little you got a little monster in your
1: house there man we got to put a content warning on this episode (laughs) so i learned that we have to uh, well sarah did the research we got to put like a laundry basket over it takes three weeks for these little bastards to like leave the nest Mm. You you put a laundry basket over it. Weigh the laundry basket down so Benny can't you know eat the rest of these bunnies. Sure. And then you take it off at night after you've taken the dogs out for the last time because the mother only comes back at night or at at dusk and dawn. The mother comes back.
3: Hmm. Good knowledge. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: I will. Uh, this is not a <laughs> this is not a referendum on uh, any individual or on any individual's dog, uh, but the. Everything Elite Discord has cured me of the notion that I want to get a dog. <laughs> because there's <laughs> oh, always, yeah. you know, a lot of, lot of, uh, you know, just dog strugglers or dog health issues or whatever. And, you know, I, I had a dog when I was a kid and loved my dog. Uh, but then I, I look at that and I go, no, nah, I'm just not willing to do that much work. That is not for me.
1: It Probably too much work for you, Nate. I would probably agree with that. But it, honestly, I mean... That wasn't fun, but it really didn't cause anything for me. You know, it's, but there's lots of joyful moments with, with the dog. Yeah. you say it didn't cause anything for you? Uh,
2: when did Benny eat the baby rabbit?
1: I don't know. Uh,
2: you know, When I let him out about four today. Okay, so tomorrow morning, you're going to be singing a different tale. As someone I- who's become very intimately aware of the, the gastrointestines of dogs... You, you 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 say like oh it's just like okay it's gross and i have to take care of these rabbits now so that benny doesn't take out the entire hutch but 11 hours is about the time that takes a dog's intestinal tract to work and the next time i'm saying this get ready for some weird poops tomorrow morning
1: i think he's gonna be fine uh you know play this back to me but i've seen him eat an animal in the yard before and it was okay And I've seen him eat insane shit with some regularity, and it's been okay. I'm mostly worried. I did some research and found that rabbits often have tapeworm. So Mm. I've got to be looking out for uh, some white in his poop, if if that happens. Oh, we're going to get him some dewormer anyway. I'm going to get him some, (laughs) I don't know how it's pronounced, evermectin?
3: Yeah, I mean, you might might start trying to shop for that now because it's going quick
2: i'm yeah. not going to be able to get any yeah do you have a tractor supply nearby i you do you might want yeah yeah <laughs> you're going to hit that bad boy up I live first in, the thing in the morning yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean i'm just i was just saying this to get confirmation i knew you did i just we're doing audio here so we're having a <laughs> we conversation <know>. but you <laughs> might want to be hitting that up there you
1: know right when it opens in the morning ivermectin I mean, sure. there a lot
3: of bone Iver jokes going around. Right. That's, um, I think, what was
1: in my head. So, yeah,
3: Iver, Ivermectin,
1: you know, I've whatever. Heard. All right. If you want to know more about uh, things you can treat COVID with, make sure you're following us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Nate is at Apitisys. Mike is at Fujiheya. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. You just type in Everything Elite, whatever podcast app you use. Hit subscribe. It helps you, it helps us. If you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. It doesn't help you, but it does help us. And of course, if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is go to patreon.com slash everything elite. The hottest thing in the business, in the podcast business. Uh, It's just, I mean, three things. If you're an $8 subscriber, three things on the Patreon today. If you're a $5 subscriber, two things on the Patreon today. Uh, You just, you got to be there. All right, we're going to kick off the show. With Elite or Delete, but I'm going to switch it up. I host this show. I'm calling it Audible. Mike always says, you got to be able to call an Audible. I'm going first. Elite, the best this? go-home show that what AEW has ever done. They knocked it out of the park. They got me hyped up for every story on this pay-per-view, every match on this pay-per-view. They nailed it the ending was good people who said it wasn't good are wrong everything about this show was good great show
3: i don't know what uh, what do i do now you yeah. you've totally broken the format you went to yourself first and then you named the entire show
2: yeah <laughs> and then he he said that he's the host of this
4: <laughs> i mean Which i host I, the yeah, show i think that's he fair he does drive
3: say. he does drive um Yeah. Well. Yeah. So the whole show was elite. Great.
2: (laughs) Great Great show. Great work. Thanks for listening to us. Oh no. (laughs) The
1: point is that it was great as a go home show. That's the point I'm
2: making here. Speak on that.
1: I've I've spoken on it. They had literally hit on every match. They made every match more exciting than it was coming into the show. That's what you want. They left us. They The last thing we saw on the show was the heels standing tall at the end, making us just die wanting to see those people lose on Sunday night in Chicago. It's everything you want out of a go-home show. And they have, in the past, done poorly with go-home shows. I think a lot of times they've left us really wanting a lot more sometimes they barely talked about the fucking matches at all before the pay-per-view so this time they put it all together and they killed it okay yeah the final angle
3: i thought was was pretty tremendous i mean it benefits greatly as they often do from following a you know great match with the young bucks the elite in there uh you know jungle boy fully asserting himself and and holding his own uh in a in a high flying high speed high stakes match with the Lucha Brothers, et cetera. Uh, and yeah, the final angle is like the perfect kind of setup for a big high stakes cage match at the pay-per-view. And it doesn't hurt at all to have a big heel heat finish here because everybody in that building is just going to come back in a few days uh, and hopefully see the baby faces triumph in the cage, you know, maybe at least one time. Uh, so I thought that was great. The, you know, the actual beat to beat, Moments of that angle with Kenny Omega on on the microphone, on the house mic the whole time, not really saying anything, just having his weird Kenny Omega en- energy and, you know, vamping and, and saying, like, help me, help me, help me. I'm being attacked. Uh, very amusing to me. So, yeah, that was all great. Kara, Kara said something on Twitter that I uh, felt them like, this This feels like a Dragon Gate thing right here. Um, you know, a dead or alive case situation where you've got, just chaos in the cage and, and all these different factions uh, and people on the outside clawing to get in. Um, and it, yeah, it certainly made me anticipate the cage match on the show more. Uh, and also I, I was just reminded how nice their cage looked because we've only seen it the one other time with Cody and Wardlow. Um, and it seems very tall, uh, but it's got a nice solid structure on the corners. This is my uh, cage architecture. It, it's of the called show. truss.
2: It's called truss.
3: It's got the truss. The trusser, the truss is on point. Uh the 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 top seems like Ray Phoenix will have no problem doing some Elix Skipper shit up there and just uh you know making my heart leap into my throat. Uh, but it's gonna be pretty sweet.
2: It's something that like I it's my inclination to push back from comparing it to Dead or Life Cage match, but it did a great job of like showing that this cage is tall and enormous and it's impossible to get in. Like that was something that I thought was really effective that they showed throughout that segment. I thought that that was really well done. It It's something that it did a great job of like wanting to the, the crowd kind of sitting there going like, holy shit, the elite are just destroying everyone here. We want to see them get defeated. And I mean, that's the purpose of that there. And yeah, to speak on Aaron's point of it being like a great go home show. Like the only other pay-per-view that I feel like they've had this strong of a go home show was Full Gear 2019 in Charlotte where like they had like the insane brawl where the first time people jumped off of the tunnels between like the Elite and Inner Circle there like that is the only one that like felt like it was heated and everything was like built up in a way that and almost every match on this sh- on this pay-per-view was highlighted Of course, one match that didn't got canceled, and that was the match I was most looking forward to. (laughs) But I thought this was a success of a show all across the board, and I feel like that that final segment, like, it's going to be divergent, but I think it's something that, like, they had to, like, show certain things. Like, the big thing was, like, oh, yeah, we have to have this cage to keep the Elite out and have a fair match, and it's like, how can you prove that there? Okay, so you can't climb the cage because as soon as they started climbing, it takes so long to get up there that the, Oh, that brain cutler could get the spray out. They could hit the Kendo sick inside the cage. And it was completely effective there.
3: I also, uh, I don't, are, is, is this divergent Are people not did not like this angle. That seems, I don't know what there's not to like about. It, it seems very, you know, solid pro wrestling one kind of shit to me to have the heels get a big beat down in the cage ahead of the big cage match. That's coming up. Um, I I like Nick Jackson being the one to like dial up the violence and intensity and just do like a dozen straight head kicks to the Lucha Brothers. Very amusing to think about like the super elite, like, yeah, we're going to be super violent to you now and kick you in the head a bunch of times. And, uh, you know, we're not just the champions. We're going to assert our dominance on you with violence. And meanwhile, Brandon Cutler's back there with his cold spray or whatever being a goof. Very amusing to me. Um, But, yeah, I don't – this seems like a – a home run this seems what do you <laughs> so i don't like baseball i'm going to get my baseball metaphors fucked up but it's like booking this is like a solid on base single right but then the execution of it makes it a home run does that make sense inside the park home run there you go this angle. that's good you got there you got ground there ground
1: rule double even maybe would be good ground maybe. rule
3: double that bats in uh, two people on base already <laughs> there you go, Nate. Yeah, that could
1: happen. There you go. That uh, could happen. it. Nate clearly not hanging out in the EE Discord because I the ang, the go home angle was uh widely disliked among really? our patrons. Yes. That's uh I I couldn't see
3: a thing wrong with it. It was it was delightful to me. What I I guess th- if you want to if you want to split hairs, then the idea that Don Callis stole the keys to the cage control room is like a little goofy. Um, but they even, you know, they tried to put in the groundwork for that and being like, I was in a meeting with Tony Khan talking about the video game. So like they paid enough lip service to that where you can go, okay, whatever, that's fine. Who cares?
1: There was a lot of talk about it being slow, taking too long and, you know, the crowd's relative silence during the segment.
3: Oh, I guess I didn't notice that. Uh, but also you had Kenny talking over everybody the whole time. Mm -hmm. So you still got a lot of commotion and like energy in the room, I thought.
2: And I'll say that cage came down fast. Like when they winched that thing up, it was like, all right, this cage is coming down like within like 30, within like 20 seconds. I was going to say 30 seconds, 20 seconds. I thought like that it was this, the crowd was silent, but I mean, there's the adage of silent heat, you know, the the white silent heat that, you know, people are there. But you also had Kenny talking, as y'all are saying. So like maybe people were trying to listen there and emote, but I think for what they're trying to accomplish there, it was a success. Even if the crowd... Didn't necessarily like rain down booze. How I guess it was intended.
1: All right, Nate. I will now go back to the usual format of well, the show.
3: I'm, I'm all so I did my elite already. It was the it was I'll do okay. The main event, Kate. The main event instead of the main event angle. Tremendous match. That's my elite segment. Then how's that? Um, you had the babyface team of uh. Jurassic express and Luchasaurus your two finalists in the tag team tournament up against the super elite. Uh, And this was just, I mean, I don't know how many times I can come on and just like rave about a young bucks match layout and all of their ideas uh, and everything flowing naturally. Uh, But this was the peak of the show in all those aspects. Uh, You get fun matchups with like Luchasaurus and Doc Gallo starting off. You go to the, you know, time honored matchup of Nick Jackson and Phoenix uh, then you get the older brothers with Penta and Matt Jackson. And then as they always succeed in doing when they put jungle boy in these spots, uh, he gets a bunch of shine and does a bunch of cool shit. And uh, they also do some inventive counters to him. We, he busted out that over the top row perk and Rana to the outside, uh, on the last, maybe that was on rampage in the tag match, uh, with the Lucha brothers. Uh, and here they reversed it into a sick looking power bomb on the apron, um, which was just tremendous. So, yeah, this whole thing was just like what what AEW is kind of about to me is these just meticulously laid out and high energy Young Bucks matches where there's never a dull moment. There's, you know, a a whole like a a Ray Phoenix segment in the middle where the crowd spontaneously goes into a standing ovation because he's so fucking great. Um, That's what it's really all about to me.
2: Yeah, this match just blew away everything else on the show, and it is something that Doc Gallows starting off being real cool, you know, new gear for for Daddy Dangley, and it was, and you know, I I think he did like two bumps in the entire match, which you know, what a worker there, and then the hot tag from Phoenix just getting in there and going nuts, and it was doing his rope bounce spot, and then just leading that right into the final stretch of like all out sprint there. And the way it ended, I thought that this match was really exceptional. I thought like this might've been like one of their best held matches, maybe since they came back from, uh, or since they came on tour. Like I thought this match just has blown away a lot of stuff that they've done over the last month and a half. And they've done
1: a lot of great stuff. What's wild to me is what we saw in this match means that the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers have more ideas for the cage match. And they did some wild stuff in this match. So they they know that they're going to do insane stuff and just blow it out of the water on Sunday. And I'm so freaking hyped up about it. I'm so excited.
3: I am. I'm still a little bit scared about it.
1: Just like from they might die from, from yeah, that standpoint?
3: Just like Phoenix is going to be on top of the cage. He's going to do you know, a fucking Rana off the cage to, you know, Nick Jackson who's standing on Matt Jackson's shoulder, who's standing on the turnbuckle or something. Uh, no, a Poison Rana actually will be. Uh, and i like, will oh god, they're going to die. And that would really bring the main event down. The main event would suffer big time <laughs> if anybody dies in the cage.
1: Yeah, they should do the uh, the Chris Hero CM Punk spot uh, from the IWA Mid-South match. Poison Rana from the top of the cage. They would up that spot off the top of the cage through a table yeah but at the same time nate if they do a spot where you think someone might have died but they don't die like nick jackson at all out two years ago yeah then it makes the match better so that's right it's a thin line what a what a
3: we've picked such a nice wholesome hobby haven't we
1: Yes, it's fucked up because literally, when I enjoy matches most is when it starts to seem dangerous. So yeah,
3: no, you're you're like a little bit sociopathic about it. I think um, I know, I know. I'm I'm a little more wholesome and 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 a nice boy. I'm confident
1: that is very true.
3: Okay, Mike. Heard, heard you used to be really mean. I don't remember <laughs> you put it in a reply to somebody where <laughs> it was to it was to the VOW account where yeah, you were Kate- like,
1: oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Case Lowe was saying he was thinking about becoming a mean person. And it it my comment was really a callback to mine and case's conversation on this is CM Punk about our respective um, personalities. But yeah, and Joe Lanza said, I'm still mean, which is true. I I can be mean to people that irritate me. But uh, I mean, like when my wife and I started dating, she told me this much later. That when she like first went out with me, she was like, uh, "I don't really know, you know. He's like really an asshole. Like I'm not sure." <laughs> yeah. And she was like, "I couldn't <laughs> believe like once we started to get to know each other that like there was this actually like nice person underneath uh the veneer." Uh, I mean, it was largely just you know insecurity and sure, uh, sure. being how, a kid. How
3: old is case?
1: Twenty-two. Case, yeah, I just okay. graduated college. Okay. Yeah,
3: yeah that uh, that about fits. I just I, I I myself remember having a period where I was mad about something or whatever. It's like I'm gonna have my revenge, I'm gonna become really successful, which to me is like Ooh. the opposite of being nice is like, oh, I'm gonna <laughs> make a bunch of money, right? Uh, I mean, sure. you know, and th- that requires a lot more effort again than I was willing to put in. So I was like, no, I'll just I'll be nice.
1: Yeah, I, I know this will be surprising to you all because I am still petty. But the amount of just like petty grudges I used to hold absolutely would swallow up the, the few petty grudges <laughs> that I hold now. I mean, it was like anything and everything. I just was this filled with rage. seems to me
3: endemic to not not necessarily being part of being straight edge in particular, but being part of a quote unquote
1: scene. Yeah, definitely like being really into hardcore like, I mean, all the songs are about like, it's either about having fun with your friends or hating someone who disrespected you. That's like <laughs> every song. So I was definitely very serious about respect uh, at that point in my life. Yeah. Yikes. Now, yeah, no, now I don't really give a shit um, about such things. Unless you spill something on me, and don't apologize, of course. <laughs> right. Yes. Naturally. That's where I draw the line. Okay. Mike,
3: the re- the real 3-year story. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> go go to the Patreon and listen to the World Tour episode from when CM Punk returned on Rampage to hear that story. Mike, your turn, buddy. I know you wanted to pick that match that we just talked about. So tell me your backup pick. I mean, I think that and not to like
2: bite on what you've been working with lately, Aaron. The factory and uh, no more BS. Paul White and Gun Club—they have just tapped into a vein of like wrestling melodrama gold here. That is, it's very—I I forgot who said this. It's very simply done, but it's very effective, and they hit all the notes. And you have that was me. like such. It was me that said that.
3: Yeah, that was that was for sure. Aaron.
2: <laughs> Aaron okay, as, as I said, I'm biting your thing here. That's so, fun. So hitting, I think, all I think the you no... said you
3: wouldn't be biting his thing.
2: Well, now I am. Okay. Now I am. Now I am. <laughs> but like, it's but out just... of
3: respect, Aaron, he's not disrespecting you. This is because he <laughs> respects you
2: exactly. That that's why I said I'm not going to, and then now I am. But it, it's just something that like they hit the notes so well for like what really is a Aaron. I don't want to break your heart here by saying this. A very inconsequential feud that they okay. managed to do okay. everything <laughs> okay. perfectly i mean in the greater scheme of things like this this is going to be like a match that's going to be like 10 minutes and it's going to rule and it's going to be like right in the middle of the show and and people who are just philistines are
1: going to get up and walk away whereas us true heads are going to sit there loving every minute of it correct mike in the greater scheme of things the planet is fucking dying and (laughs) uh we'll all burn to death soon so let me just enjoy no more bs paul white versus qt marshall
3: okay now who's biting whose thing Come
1: on. it it was just was
2: great and and the way that uh that the gun club turned and like stormed up the ramp and qt marshall just making faces just amazing stuff there paul White like slapping the hell out of aaron solo beforehand we got what could have been a weapon of mass destruction if they bought the copyright to it the trademark it just was excellent it was just was incredibly effective on a show that had a lot of effective things i was like all right they found a way to raise the stakes here very well
3: yeah so i liked um you know no more BS Paul white doing the classic giant spot where he's got six guys on him, including like three random giant guys who have never been with the factory before to the best of my knowledge. Were these Mike, did you recognize any of these guys from the showcases or anything? Or are these locals? They, they pulled them. I think they're local big boys. Yeah. They didn't seem like anybody I noticed next to, Oh shoot. Kid bandit. Is that his name? Kid bandit.
2: Yeah. Of course.
3: Yeah. I didn't see any of these guys in the class pictures. Uh, so I like that. I liked, you know, just no more BS. Being a fucking veteran and having a big smile on his face as he paintbrushes guys and choke slams guys, uh, very amusing to me. Uh, no more BS in that in that spot. Uh, and I liked QT Marshall like taking a, a awkward looking bump off the apron uh, when he tried to get out of town there at the end. Um, and also like QT Marshall coming back in after the mayhem after the damage was done and posing on no more bs's paul paul no more bs paul weight's chest all that was good to me yeah and uh that's all i'll say on it for the time being
1: everything about this was great i mean i've been putting over that this is a very good just pro wrestling story just a a good ass old-timey pro wrestling story uh, a guy who's mad that you disrespected his friend So he had to come back and uh, get one over on you. But then they take it to another level. They don't just leave it at, hey, this guy's buddy got disrespected. He had to take up for him. Then they have a guy who he used to tag team with. Turn on him. Turn his back on him. I don't know if they'll work that into the story on Rampage. Maybe they'll cut a video about the show guns. I don't know. But they ratchet up the stakes the gun club who are like these they're like aw mascots in a lot of ways and suddenly they flip they turn on paul white we get two nasty chair shots especially the second one we head hunting head hunting exactly for some reason the the gun boys have their uh pants tucked into their socks colton in particular looks insane uh and it's beautiful and now You have even more reason to be like really fired up for no more BS Paul White to win this match. I just categorically reject that this isn't that important in the grand scheme of things. It's uh, going to be the feel-good moment of the show on Sunday. Would you say that this is the most important
2: thing on the show? Yes, Mike, I would. Okay, uh, I do have to say one thing. I'm going to need some time to process, cope, and heal that austin gunn turned heel i am really really shaken up about it like as i've said in the discord i like freaked out for a moment because he was the he he was the golden retriever of pro wrestling and now he's evil i can't stand with that for austin gunn colton gunn of course austin
3: he- gunn ate a baby bunny on the air
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean f- figuratively yes yes i i will
3: yeah, say no, I, I, I did not mean literally
2: no <laughs>
1: I will say in all seriousness that if you look at this card for All Out, now, I guess you can assume the Lucha Brothers are probably going to win the tag titles, but this could be the feel-good moment of the show with Paul White overcoming the dastardly QT Marshall. A lot of heels, I think, are going to win on this show. Well, I guess not. Chris Jericho's not a heel, but who cares if Chris Jericho wins? All right uh listener elite hey if you want your listener elite featured you got to be a a patron so sign up uh full metal praxis his elite eddie kingston's line take my hand and let's walk through hell together we haven't talked about the eddie kingston promo on this show it's short but super effective very good
3: yeah i really think this show excelled in general in a lot of these video packages because the eddie one hit i mean the mirror ones are always good but you throw eddie in there that's great uh, the Darby one was so efficient and just a, a great. Again, he does like unconventional things. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't use the music in that Darby video package in anybody else's video package, but it totally works for him. Um, and you know, he added another layer of complexity onto that. Now we get more of Darby's uh, motivations and feelings about that match. So, uh, really great video packages up and down this show.
2: Yeah. It shows how effective you can be in forty five to sixty seconds. And this was like the perfect example that like that is one of I think it goes down in Eddie's great lines such as it's it's cold out there, bundle up, you know, it's just fantastic.
1: Now we know that Miro has a hot wife. I don't believe they have any children, but I do want you to know that today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming, and it's back to school time. That's the segue there, children, school time. We want to make sure you pack the best essentials to have the best year yet. The Manscaped fourth generation performance package is just that. Things are opening up. Not sure that's true, Manscaped. I think things are vaguely closing again. Uh, Some are opening up. But you got to be ready for whatever is in your daily schedule. And you can get the performance package with the Lawnmower 4.0 and go for the valedictorian of ball trimming. And join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code this is. Um, all right, let me ask you guys this. Yo. When's the first time you trimmed your, your pubic hair? <laughs> Hit me with it. First time in your life.
3: Um, I don't ha I don't have a uh, readily available answer for that. I would imagine sometime in high school. I remember the most significant time i trimmed my pubic hair. All right, let's hear it. Uh, So in sophomore year of college, uh, there were some guys down the hall that would pull their, you know, little computer chair out into the middle of the hall and they would do haircuts for each other in the middle of the hall. And they'd have a a razor and a, or a, you know, a, uh, uh, yeah, a razor, (laughs) um, and, and be doing haircuts in the middle of the hall. And it was very funny. Like you'd be walking down you'd see these guys, like, you know, a couple of them probably on the football team. You'd be like, And they'd be like, hey, what's up? There'd be like a line of people getting their hair cut. And for some reason, myself and my roommate uh, thought it'd be very funny. uh, uh, Probably because we were drinking. uh, It's like trim our pubes. And then after they were all done, we went and put our pubes on top of the big pile of hair that they left in the (laughs) hall. Uh, So it was like, you know, uh, it was a very stark contrast to the hair that was already there. Uh, But, you know, probably rude to the cleaning staff or whatever, but. Uh I distinctly remember that as a pube trimming experience. My I would uh,
1: say if- my my father used to always say that I uh must hate God because he put pubic hair on my head. Stuff. Just want to tie the- that together. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> Rough. Yeah. Well, I, I mean I was I think I was in high school, probably the first time, but I wasn't yeah. as good for sure then didn't know all the tick all the tips and tricks and i didn't have all the tools luckily now i've got the Manscaped performance package 4.0 with the lawnmower 4.0 the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer the crop preserver bald deodorant. man went to a music festival last weekend outside forgot to put on the crop preserver huge mistake but let me tell you put that on it helps helps with chafing quite a bit
3: uh This additional context might help. Both myself and my roommate have bright red hair.
1: (laughs) 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 So that's 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 the All right. So make sure you go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping with the code. This is that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code. This is at manscaped.com this year. Graduate with a degree in clean balls from manscaped. Some wild copywriting over it over at Manscaped. <laughs> They're having fun with it. They are. All
2: right. Well, let's talk. I about what was, it.
1: Eh, yeah. Let's talk about what we didn't like from the show, which I think wasn't as much. Uh, Nate, I will. You know, I'm gonna get back to our what we normally do. You hit us first. Good.
3: Okay. Delete turning the gun club heel. No. Unnecessary. Absolutely. I was stuck on this idiom last week, I think. Gilding the lily, you did not need to do that to heighten this feud. I think it's a. I think it's a miss. It's probably not as bad a miss as turning Brian Cage babyface, but I think Austin Gunn has a unique quality that makes him well-suited to being a white meat babyface in this day and age, and I think that's a very rare quality. And maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe Billy and Colton Gunn will cut the promos of their life on Rampage and explain why they're why they've turned heel on no more BS, Paul White, uh, and it'll be and Austin Gunn will be a revelation as a sadistic and twisted heelish figure. But I don't I don't think it's likely. I think Austin Gunn has a unique babyface quality, and you've got to harness that. You've got to capture it. And you've got to ride it until you, you no longer can. There's only so many golden retrievers in wrestling. I think just the one. And you can't just go turn them heel for no reason. I don't. And the story didn't need it. The story was already good as it was. It, it, it feels to me, I've accused the promotion of this a lot. It feels to me like they didn't have any other ideas for the gun club. They didn't have any other stories that they could write. So they went back to the one thing that they do over and over again. Half of this faction is going to turn heel on the other half of the faction, and then that's what, that's how we're going to heat up the gun club and give them something to do. And it just it feels like a it feels like a a a a a a, a, a angle they did for the sake of doing something rather than an angle that's going to enhance the show or enhance that guy's act.
2: Yeah, I. Austin Gunn is not a heel to me. Like, he is... It just is something that... It was so abrupt, and maybe for everyone, it's like, oh, there's way too many members of the Nightmare family now. Not anymore! They just, they're clearing the deck pretty quickly, especially with, like, Cody being out, and we'll see how long they're going to have uh, the Anderson cell, the attack from Alki Black there. Uh, very abrupt, I, and I guess, like, we'll, we'll see... it it's something that like they don't always provide the justification, the lead up. They do it after the fact. And it's something that, you know, makes things feel abrupt at times. And, you know, did it provide the spice needed for this storyline? Absolutely. It's the best storyline in wrestling. And is it going to be something that I think will pay off with this? Like, I, I don't really want to see Billy Gunn versus no more BS unless it is like a street fight. That's like, that ends up being i'm trying to think who will come to nor bs's side will it be chris shivoni and uh i'm trying to think of like the third person to join the Venetrios
1: match here i just don't know how it's going to pay off guys some people in wrestling and in life they just don't fucking matter and sometimes they just have to be used as pawns in the stories for the real kings like no more BS, Paul White, and that's what happened here. Who cares about the Gun Club, Colton? I Guns care no- about the Gun Club. They're not. I ever very gonna, much care. They're uh, never uh, going to matter in this promotion. They don't Colton, matter.
3: Colton is 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 a background player to Austin. I'm not disputing that, uh, but I mean Austin. Again, unique babyface. It's hard to get a likable babyface, especially like a high energy, super, super muscular one like this kid. He's a you know, potential to be a television star, and just turning him heel for the sake of doing it. That guy, that kid's going to go on another program and be the most likable guy on the cast. And he's going to be the 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 we've t- <laughs> I don't remember what our example was, but he's going to be that super broed out jock dude that you're like, oh wow, I can't believe this guy's being nice to me. And he's like my friend. That's Austin Gunn to me. Um, and now he just threw it away for a an angle that's not going to mean anything to this larger storyline
1: that didn't need it it was already good it got better nate this is fine whenever they decide that they want to do something now it's fine no no it's great it's great (laughs) i what i'm saying is this treatment of the gun club is fine because when they decide that, oh, well, maybe we'll give this little puppy dog an actual try. They can just flip him around. It's so easy. Yeah. It's so easy.
3: No, it's lazy is what it is. It's not no. easy. It's lazy.
1: Do no, to turn because.
3: For lack of better ideas.
1: The most important thing in AEW is the gun club streak. The fucking streak, and as heels, it's easier to keep the streak going. They'll be like eight thousand and O when mm. they turn back into baby faces when it's time for okay. Austin Glove, Austin Gunn to do his thing.
3: All right, I'll I'll, I'll uh I'll acknowledge one. You made one good point here. <laughs> I'll give you that one. Well, which one was it? The streak. You can keep make okay. the streak a heel act. The streak is important.
1: They can bring in uh. What's his name? He got fired from WWE. Goldberg. Goldberg. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Goldberg. That's who I was thinking of. (laughs) Yeah. The new streak. Oh, oh, the new streak
3: guy. Yeah. Bald.
2: R.D. Evans.
1: R.D. Evans. Evans. Didn't he get fired from WWE? He
2: he now works for Impact.
1: Oh, okay. Well, there there you go. They can bring over R.D. Evans, Veda Scott, and... Moose. 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 And then we just got to get uh, Stokely Hathaway out of WWE and you got the whole, Oh, Prince Nana also canceled, I think. This
3: is is like, (laughs) we're booking, we're booking nostalgia angles for the new streak. (laughs) Just like, which is absolutely a cut above and an improvement on when WWE just became a TNA tribute promotion. It was like, Hey,
1: we got Eric Young. (laughs) Yeah. We're bringing in the real stars. Right. All right, Mike, what is your delete pick from this week? Uh, not a whole
2: lot here that was outright bad. Um, I think probably the fact that Pac versus Andrade is not happening. There's travel issues. I'm suspecting there's not been a word. That I think it's related to Pac living in England. And it just is a bummer because it's something that this is was like going to be a big shot for andrade given how things were going with him and the output and the overall kind of consensus of him leaving wwe it'd just be like all right a lot of people were going to say like okay this is the last chance there and then pack being one of the best wrestlers in the world losing this match from the card that is still a very strong card it's just a personal bummer for me i mean aaron you can attest how i get when pack shows up and i get to see one of my favorite wrestler working today and it's just to me it's a personal delete the fact that this is happening hopefully they're able to have this match down the road when things hopefully get more normal
1: yes i mean it is bad that the match isn't happening and i feel bad especially for you mike because you're such a big pack fan i feel bad because i thought this was going to be one of the better matches on the card on the other hand This match, this card needed to lose a match. I wish it wasn't this match, but they needed to get rid of something. Now we've got this match on the buy-in that we can just kind of have fun with. The battle royale gets inserted onto the main card, which is something that's different from all the other singles matches. So I can't say it makes the card better because you're taking off a pack versus Andrade match. But I think in the long run of sitting and watching this show, it's going to make it an easier, more enjoyable experience.
3: Yeah, I agree. I we talked on Rampage or about Rampage on the on the Patreon show, uh, and I said that this was a key kind of match for this card because there wasn't another like technical work rate wrestling showcase blowaway match kind of thing that was on this card. Like I guess people would argue that that's like the Omega and Christian match or something, and it's just that's not that's not it for me. So this was like, certainly Andrade needs to show up and he needs to show that he can go toe-to-toe with pack, but it had the potential to be like, oh, that's a that's like a classic wrestling match kind of match, uh, which was also absent on the card. But yeah, I, I said on the weekend show that it's, this is like a G1 style card. It's just like a bunch of huge single matches, singles matches, one after the other, and it's going to be exhausting for four hours or whatever it is. So it does kind of benefit from shaking up the card a little bit, getting the battle royale on there is going to give that some more shine which it needs until that was on there there were two women on the pay-per-view card i mean this is obviously not a surprise but just nice to see the battle royale on the main card especially if they have a big you know surprise debut for the for the joker spot um i think that'll make the the whole pay-per-view more fondly remembered if you get a, a couple big surprises like that
1: Yes, I think all that makes sense. It's time for my delete. Uh, I'm going to step out on a, on a limb here. Uh, and this isn't about bunnies, but having babies. I'm deleting having babies. And here's why. Adam Page gone from this show for however long. And who misses him? <laughs> Nobody misses him. He's lost in the shuffle. he got all these big stars coming in. All these new people becoming big stars. And Adam Page is forgotten. I think this is an. This has been an awful career move, <laughs> having sex with his wife without protection. An awful career move for Adam Page. Adam Page, use protection. That's all I'm saying. You can protect your wife from getting pregnant. You can protect your wrestling career.
3: Maybe, maybe the least woke, uh, least woke take on this show. Coming out against, uh, you know, an employee's right to procreate um, that we've had. I did Adam Page's last tweet after, I don't know, somebody ran with the story. Mike Johnson, a PW insider or something, I, I, I think that's who it was, posted, oh, he's not on the card because his wife's due to give birth. This was, <laughs> I think, after we had said, you know, that might be the reason we uh, kind of speculated that that was something we heard about. Adam Page said, thank you to everyone who respected my privacy these past few months and a big, quote unquote, eat my ass to those who chose not to. I'm out of the hell and you know what I'm coming for when I get back. Is is there any possibility that is about us on this show saying Adam Page fucked up by having his child nine months before what should have been his crowning
1: moment at All Out? If it is, sorry, Adam, we're right. <laughs> we were right. Actually, it's a woke take. Because uh, the nuclear family is counter-revolutionary, mm. and uh, having children is bad, actually. So I think it's woke.
3: No, you, you sold me on That was a strong justification. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course, of course, I'm a very active poster on r slash childfree, so I don't disagree yes. with you.
1: Well, it's actually also woke, because how long have we had to hear about how women – should not have children and put their careers first.
3: Oh, I like this.
1: What I'm saying is a man there should put go. his See? career first and not worry about children.
3: We should, really, we should work these out before the show so yeah. that you don't, you don't have to come up with them on the fly uh, as a defense mechanism. This
1: was not on the fly. This
2: was <laughs>
3: what oh, I was wow. planning okay. to say, of course. Right. Uh-huh. Mike, would you
1: like to weigh in on that? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. Smart man. All right. Our listener delete for this week it's a new patron surprise surprise it's another drew though drew 101 a new patron uh his delete so many camera cuts in the mjf promo it was very noticeable all the camera mm. cuts i don't know i think i have to disagree i thought Ooh. he he shows such
3: a command of going i think it was just he had the two cameras right he had the The straight ahead camera. And he had the camera off to his periphery. uh, And he just snapped from one right to the other. And I was like, I was reminded of a promo. I can't remember if it was on a vlog or on TV. uh, But it was a Joey Janela promo that he cut in front of a coffin. And he was cutting it straight to camera. And then they had another camera off to the side that they would cut to occasionally just to shake things up. But he wouldn't address that camera. So you were just looking at the side of his head talking to another camera. And as I did that i I turned my head to the mic a little bit right, just to,
2: to illustrate for you guys, <laughs> of course, um, because podcasting is a visual medium
3: yeah and and so I, I was reminded of that, and I was like, oh, this is way better. This feels like a professional commanding the room um, you know and and half of that that might just be on the production team uh, who put it together but yeah that didn't that didn't bother me i actually i thought the mjf segment was another very strong
2: pre-tape it was something that like it's clear it was a three camera setup they had the uh, the two shot the mjf camera and then the one on tony there and like it is something that mjf kind of dictated the editing by turning his head to each one so i mean made made an editor's job a lot easier because they knew it's like i'm not going to have the joey janela side profile going on here with that uh The promo itself, like, I mean, uh, the note that I have down for this promo is MJF is wrestling stepdad and he did Batman voice partway through. It was a, it was an effective promo. It just was weird at points talking about like Ali breaking down and all of that. But I, I I thought,
3: I thought that was really smart because I thought, you know, MJF likes to take real things, real criticisms and put them into his promos. Right. So he wanted to get to the point, hey, Chris, you're fucking washed up. You look like shit. You're wrestling like shit lately. Uh, it's time for you to go, man. Uh, but he's a smart worker. So he also so he said, I'm not just going to come out here and call Chris Jericho drunk and fat or whatever. I'm going to say he's Muhammad Ali. So I'm, he thinks I'm putting him over and I'm using that as my vehicle to bury him in this promo. So I liked that. Um, and yeah, like you said, he dictated the edit. And that, that to me was impressive because he's like, this is keeping the pace and the intensity of the promo up that he's doing well-timed, uh, you know, switches
1: between these two cameras. I agree with Drew 101, frankly. I just, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be so noticeable. The, the camera cuts, the purpose of them is not, it's not like a fucking, you know, whoever, pick your director that you don't like. Um, I've been out of film for a while, but, you know, pick somebody you don't like, where it's like, oh, they're making movies here. You know, I can really tell your directorial style is shining through. And uh, that's what this felt like to me of like, oh, we're going to do these uh, very noticeable cuts. Just a little heavy handed for me.
0: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club, Off again, that's arena club.com/slash VOW net, arena club.com/slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: All right, let's get into the rest of the show. Of course, it kicked off. This was week 100. I talked about that on some show. I was right, my math was right. This was week 100. FTR versus Santana and Ortiz kicked it off. Santana pinned FTR hair after a double team inside out suplex. Why didn't this match start to show after Punk debuted?
3: Yeah, you can say that a lot about a lot of matches they've had recently um, because this, this had a great hot start. The Proud and Powerful came out with a bunch of energy and just immediately got the crowd fired up, came off like a big deal. Uh, and they had a ton of, I think, good ideas for this match, and it was going in a good direction. It got a little disjointed when, like, FTR was, like, getting their near falls, and they had, kept setting up these big spots for FTR, and they just didn't come together a couple times, which is, which was too bad because the crowd was really into it, and I, it really would have, I think, been a great match if they'd been able to maintain that flow. But I think for that reason, it it didn't peak at the right time, and it just it kind of... Fell off right when it should have been peaking and then when when P and P got the win it, it just felt a little uh a little perfunctory. So uh, a little bit of a downer to the the very hot start.
2: I thought that Santana was really kind of inventive in this match. It's just like the way that he was kind of freewheeling. Like this was something that With the way they built it up here, I was kind of turned off by the fact that they started off by doing, like, chain wrestling and, like, trading holds here and not making it into, like, a brawl, which is something that I think that Santana Ortiz are excellent at, as we've seen through, like, the parking lot brawl there. And it had a really strong closing stretch, and, you know, it's something that with like, proud and powerful. This is probably their signature tag team win in the company at this point. Just, like, looking at where they've been and, like, in the feuds, like, they've been they needed this big win here and it felt like, like, all right, maybe for like the fifth time we can start like going like is proud and powerful going to get their tag team title shot because it's something that I mean, like that was a big point of the feud was FTR pointing out like the fact that y'all have been in the background when you were in the foreground, when the company started, we've already been champions. Where have you been at? And this kind of felt like a moment there and it was a fun opener.
3: Yeah. I I don't disagree about the, you know, technical wrestling can often feel a little, uh, a little like the default move when maybe it's not appropriate for the story. But they I, yeah. they did do, I think, a good job of like when they had some opportunities in the turnbuckle, they're like, "We're going to do to Ortiz's arm now. We're going to trap it on the turnbuckle and make a point out of that." Uh, so I think they they did a good job of incorporating that you know flesh for flesh thing into the match. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Santana to me, I mean, Ortiz is also great, but Santana to me seems like he should be like a future top singles belt kind of guy. Like he seems like he just comes across like a big star to me, has tremendous presence, has great offense. Um, I think that guy's got all can talk. Like if he's not on the short list for like getting in the TNT title division, at least. um, And by no means do I think they should split up the team or anything, but he's, you know, he's maybe the Jay Briscoe here.
1: Uh, TJ Hawk texted me during this show to bury Santana's hair. And I just wanted to put that on the podcast so that everyone could tell TJ Hawk that he sucked.
3: That's so you were afraid of getting canceled for the Adam page thing. So you decided to try and push some of the heat onto TJ.
1: (laughs) No, that's definitely not what I was doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. I said on light this morning that uh, Santana Ortiz should win this and set up the blow off on the Queens show. I think that would be, you know, the perfect place to blow off this feud. And they did the first part of it. So I'm hoping that that's where this goes. Do you think yeah, all think four it... of these guys are vaccinated? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, kinda,
3: I think I had I to do. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah. All right.
1: Let's, you know, keep that's your eyes That's a new fun game we can play. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who's going to be on the Queen's show? Because you have to be vaccinated to be there. So should be fun. Well, I, we, I guess we don't know that. I guess, yeah, we, we don't know, know that, that for
3: sure. We know, we know you have to be vaccinated if you're talent on the Jericho Cruise. We don't have explicit confirmation that talent also has to be vaccinated for the Queen's show, like the fans do.
1: I kind of wouldn't be surprised if they don't have to be, to be honest. Yeah, I, was, I
3: mean, you know, why would you ever assume that a, a VIP is subject to the same rules as a, a, a general peon like ourselves? Indeed.
1: We had Daniel Garcia and 2.0 backstage. They were setting up the Rampage match of Garcia versus Punk uh, by simply saying that Darby should not look past Daniel Garcia, that Garcia is going to make it so he can't make it to the CM Punk match.
3: So now it's Jay White versus Daniel Garcia for one of these New Japan shows? Yeah. Not sure that guy has
1: enough big matches coming up. He's the bell of the ball right now. This is weird, though, right? Because it's not like... Well, they're not telling the story that Punk needs help, you know, with all the ring rust or whatever to beat Darby. So it's kind of weird that it's like the story is weird in that, oh, Darby's got to go through this big guy before the CM Punk match. And maybe he's not going to be healthy for the CM Punk match unless they want to give him an out for when he loses to Punk. Is it weird,
2: though, because, I mean, Daniel Garcia and 2.0 have been focused on like the heads of the home army the entire time. Like, yeah, maybe for Darby, it seems like that this is like a sidetrack here. But I mean, I think this is completely within justification with how things have been with, uh, with Daniel Garcia 2.0 the entire time they've been here. Like, they've, they've like yeah, later on, they did it attack CM Punk because CM Punk now is a big guy. And if we're going to classify it in like the home army. So like, yeah, no, I think this is
1: completely justified. That part's not weird to me. The part that's weird to me is how it plays into the Darby versus Punk story that line was kind of weird yeah
3: that i don't think i don't know that it really does except that it gives them uh gives them some small heel obstacles to show that they're better in and the immediate lead up it's like they're really this there because they've had cm punk be on two shows all he's done is talk now we have this chicago audience that's bought tickets to four shows in the span of two weeks and we need to give them something week after week so They're the little goons there, so that they can do a GTS on one show and pop the crowd. That's what that's what it is to me. It's it's just, um, yeah. They're the the Power Ranger putties in the background while the the real story goes on between the protagonists.
1: As you said, CM Punk was in ring next. He started out with a promo. He said he's scared for Sunday because he's been out of the ring for seven years, kind of talking about whether uh, he's going to be able to get it done. Garcia and 2.0 do attack. Darby and Sting make the save. They do a spot where Darby does the coffin drop. Sting does the scorpion death drop. Uh, CM Punk does the GTS. So people get to see Punk be physical for the first time in AEW. And then Sting gets a hold of the mic. He says he always wanted to be in the ring with CM Punk. Mucho respect, okay. And then he says, "It felt good to see going to sleep right before my own
3: eyes." (laughs) So cool. (laughs) He he respects him so
1: much. He knows all of his moves. He doesn't even know. Yeah, it was very good. The the Cobra Vice. (laughs) And then he says, "You know what? What we're doing here is clearing the traffic, so nothing stops this match on Sunday. That includes Sting. He's going to fist bump his partner, walk back to the dressing room." And then Darby and Punk face off to get us, you know, more hyped for this match on Sunday. Thought it succeeded. Yep. This is something that we talked about on Light, Air and We wanted to see like them. They
2: had to be face to face in the ring and we got it. And I mean, they, were, they went nose to nose. And I felt like that this was all pretty effective.
3: Darby does not feel like he is playing or play acting or anything at all. When he's in there, nose to nose, just looking CM Punk dead in the eyes, it just feels like that guy's for real, and he feels like he's on his level. I just, I just I, that that was my takeaway from this. I'm like, man, he is just right there, and he does not, you know, does not look away or look like he's you know shying away from the moment or anything at all. Which is, you know, when he does those pre-tapes, he shows a little more vulnerability and he shows a little more, uh, you know. I, weakness or uh, humanity i guess uh but then once he's in the ring he's like no it's just like star wrestler time so that's that's you know continues to impress
1: it's amazing how not long ago it was that he was just like a tryout guy on evolved shows well
3: uh, like they said you know it has all happened since cm punk walked away
1: yes that's wild it's like and it's believable based on Derby's age that when he was 15 CM Punk was his favorite wrestler. So. Yeah, absolutely. For yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is where we got the MJF pre-tape with Tony. I think we pretty well covered uh the the uh what's the word I'm looking for? What happened in that promo? The
3: content of the promo. Content.
1: Yeah. There we uh, go. Th-
3: they also did they did a good job in both these promos, which were both set up the same way in that they had some. They had the old guy there to ask one question for some reason and then just ignored him and talked by themselves for the entire rest of the promo. But both of them, and I think NJF's uh, in particular, did a good job of setting up the stakes of like, oh, because they have to do it now on an accelerated pace because they they booked this goofy match and step at the last minute as their want to do. But it's like, Oh, like if Chris Jericho retires, that's a huge deal. He's a huge star for many decades, many promotions and MJF, you know, did a, a efficient job of laying that all out. Like you've been all these different people for all this time. Uh, and now I'm going to end it and I'm, I'm going to become the new daddy to wrestling because you'll
1: be. Then we got orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans, orange one with an inside cradle and it happened during commercial for the first time. After the match, Matt Hardy attacked Orange Chuck Taylor and Wheeler Yuta made the save. HFO attacked them. Jurassic Express made the save, setting up a five-on-five match for the buy-in on All Out.
3: I think I, I think I asked for exactly this match for the buy-in on our Patreon show. So I think this is uh the kind of pre-show match you want. Get all these guys on the card uh, and and let the let that all play out.
2: Yeah, I thought this was all effective and now has the idea of like, oh, you need to pay attention during the picture-in-picture or else a match might end. Like, it was successful across the board.
1: I will still not pay attention
2: to the picture-in-picture, just to be clear. And, and then you'll DM me going like, Mike, what's the finish? I missed it. What was going on well,
1: there? no, they told me when they came back, so I still don't care. Eddie Kingston, Probo was next that we talked about. He said the DDT is Miro's Crypt tonight, and they showed, you know, Fuego hitting the tornado ddt a few times so he's going to go after miro's neck so we get a little we don't often get like the in-ring story that's going to be told and eddie highlights that for us he says when he takes miro's title miro won't be god's favorite anymore he's going to send him to hell to see his god's heaven good line and then miro did a promo but uh i missed it it? he's so great yeah talk about about the mad king but I looked back up and it was over and I did Says, not hear uh, what
3: he said. The only time he lies down is with his wife in the hotel room after winning.
2: Yeah, uh, that uh, he's not going to forgive the Mad King until he puts him through pain and then he will forgive him afterwards. This is the word of the Redeemer. Like it was fantastic. His,
3: yeah, just the intensity he brings. Like he, he's a guy like I don't know what percentage. what percentage of wrestlers across the world Major league and independent, and major league wrestling. Uh, if you put them in a warehouse and you say okay, scream like an animal at the camera. How many of them would just like look like total goofball jokes? Uh, you know, like play acting, and then and then you look at Miro and he, you know, growls into the camera like an animal, and you're like, holy shit, that guy's amazing. It's a real, you know, that takes a that takes a certain, yeah. certain something, and not many people have it.
2: Yeah, it's just sick. And it's something that, again, he's completely effective because it's like 30 seconds down the barrel, just hits his marks. He's going to talk about God. He's going to talk about being a fair champion. He's going to talk about boning down. and He's going to talk about beating someone up and redeeming them. And this is the word of the Redeemer. It's fantastic. It's perfect.
3: I would like, can, can I get one example from you guys of somebody else who can growl like an animal and look cool?
2: Anybody got uh, one? I mean, Rick
1: Steiner.
3: Okay. Yeah, but I mean, current, current.
1: Um, John Moxley maybe could get away with it.
4: Mm, I don't think. I so. mean,
2: Eddie could. Hmm. Eddie could go. Abaddon, obviously. Abaddon. Ah. No. Yeah.
3: None of these work for me.
2: I think not you just have. I think you just have a high standard of growling, and you're not opening yeah. your heart up to what a growl could be.
1: I'm. I'm All thinking those about are, like,
3: goofy as hell.
1: I'm thinking about a new Miro catchphrase based on Mike's uh, point there, beating up and boning down. <laughs> Put it on the shirt.
4: I'm just saying.
2: Uh, as always, anything said on anything on everything elite is property of everything elite. You must contact my counsel for things I say, Aaron Bentley.
1: Yes, we'll take we'll take all the royalties for that shirt. Then we had a John Moxley video. We saw some footage of Satoshi Kojima and Mox uh, they repeated, I think, Mox's thing from last week about, you know, Kojima being the only guy who had the balls to challenge him, and then Mox says, "Wait a second, actually, I'm insulted that this crazy ass old man wants to wrestle me, and I'm going to kill him."
3: Yeah, I like this. He's got a consistency here with these third generation guys that he goes through, where, yeah, in the moment when the match is coming and he's in the you know immediate lead up, uh, he wants to destroy and kill the guy and he doesn't respect him at all. Blah blah blah. Uh, And then as soon as the bell rings, he's going to be like, you know, bowing to him in the ring and being like, I respect you so much. Uh, Just a funny, funny consistency, which, you know, as long as you're consistent about it, then it makes sense for your character.
1: Well, that's like MMA, right? I mean, they talk about how they're going to kill each other and then (laughs) they hug as soon as the fight is over. It is. Uh, Chris Jericho was in the ring with Jim Ross after this. Jim Ross uh, appeared to be about to tear up and then asked his one question about why. Jericho was doing this, and Jericho says he has to put it all on the line because he's lost to three. He lost three matches to MJF; those are going to be etched into his mind. He doesn't like being complacent, even though he could accomplish a lot more in AEW. He would know he'd never beat MJF.
3: Suppose you know on you, you couldn't miss on this night because even Jericho came with pretty good content in his promo, which he doesn't always do. Um, the, the the delivery of it. Having Ross there again was like just kind of funny, <laughs> uh, and Jericho just a lot of standing and pacing, not a lot of facing the camera, not a lot of like addressing the crowd. A lot of it was just like, "Hey, I'm standing, at am pacing, I'm talking to Mike," uh, but it kind of just made it feel a little more genuine from him, I think. So this uh, unexpectedly worked for me.
2: Yeah, it was something where I think it played off really well with MJF's promo early on. Whereas, like, if you take it by itself, it was probably, you know, the standard Jericho stuff. But I feel like that the two of them worked really well in concert with each other, if that makes sense. And especially, like, the idea that you have, like, the two different venues happening. And you had, like, Jim Ross, who sounded like he was kind of getting legitimately choked up talking about Chris Jericho's career possibly being over. And it felt like that you had two different moments going on there. And, you know, Jericho doesn't always hit with these promos, but I feel like that Jericho did. Jericho accomplished what he set out.
1: Then we got a video hyping up the Punk-Darby uh, match again. This one was with Darby getting some shine. And he says, when Punk said that Darby was first on his list, he knew Punk was overlooking him. I should have been last on your list. So now I have to do the impossible. Beat CM Punk in Chicago or die trying. It's really good. Yeah, it was. It was. It's just, this is a weird match to me.
3: It's not... So, I did the Oatgan thing where you were talking about it on AEW, how you this story didn't work for you or whatever, and I didn't... I think you were pretty much totally wrong. Uh, I, CM Punk in his last couple promos has been very explicit about, you know, this isn't all about proving the haters wrong. This is also proving to myself that I still have it, that I can still be the best, uh, and proving myself right more than doing anything for their sake. Um and I, I think that's been very consistent throughout, and... Darby's taken the other side of that coin and made it make perfect sense for him.
1: I just don't understand why I'm supposed to be happy when Darby loses this match. Well, why it, am I supposed to
3: clap when Darby loses? Cause they had a great match. Cause that's, that's half the story here is can seem punk still go and deliver in a big match in the big spot. And if they go out and have a great match, then both guys succeeded. That's, I mean, that, I know that's very, like, meta, but th- they do that a lot in this promotion where it's about the match quality, right, instead of the story. Uh, so that's the truth.
1: But if I'm a fan of this promotion, you know, I've followed it since it started, wouldn't I feel better about this if they have a great match but Darby gets the win?
4: I sure.
3: mean, that, that, I, I don't think either side's incorrect on that. I do think they were wrong that uh, the crowd will be split at all. I think, I think Chicago fans will be happy to boo Darby just because he's their opposite. He's opposite mm-hmm. CM Punk.
1: Oh, I don't think he'll get any boos.
3: I, I mean, there were boos at the United Center.
1: I mean, I was there. I don't remember that.
3: Okay. I, well, I do. Uh, and I, I, I think it'll probably happen again. I mean, it might not be significant, but I don't think it's going to be like 50, 50 doing change.
1: No, I don't think it's going to be 50, 50 at all. I, I don't, I don't think that people are going to be firmly on Punk's side. It's just, it's just dissonant to me. And maybe it's because I'm, you know, a long-term Darby fan been following most of his career. It's just, I don't know. It just feels weird to me. Hmm. Could be I amazing. think it's.
3: I think it's uh, been, been handled pretty deftly. I would call it assonant. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, Brian Cage versus Powerhouse Hobbs was next. Uh, Hobbs won with the town business. So something
2: that could have also been a delete, they had three uh, brawl before the bells bef- on this show. They had three times that they did not start the match with people in the ring. And, the match itself was competent. I'm really glad that Hobbs won. And, you know, this was a match that kind of served the purpose of eventually getting the rematch between Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. And I thought that it was
1: all, that was all effective. Malachi Black pre-tape, he's going to kill Lee Johnson. Yep. Uh, I thought that
2: this was like the fact that Malachi Black has kind of toned everything down and then has like talked about how, the coins to Karen and then he's not going to get a quick death. I thought was kind of, I, I mean, it's actually effective level of spookiness versus like whatever he was doing when he first started.
3: Yeah. Um, the, the match announcement for rampage of Malachi black versus Lee Johnson got a big pop. So, you know, this is still very much working for Malachi. So.
1: then we had the, uh, QT Marshall, Paul white gun club segment. That we've talked about. Then uh, they were building up, and uh, Britt was building this up on Twitter that she was going to make an announcement about a big free agent. This didn't even enter my mind, but I somebody pointed out later that she was clearly teasing Adam Cole, and that didn't I didn't pick up on that until later. Uh, but so we got Britt, Jamie Hader, Rebel backstage with Tony. First, we find out that Jamie and Rebel will be in the women's casino battle royale, and Britt points out, of course, that if one of them wins. Uh, And, you know, points out Jamie has the actual chance to win that her title isn't going anywhere. And Tony points out, hey, you got this match with Chris Statlander, you know, so you shouldn't be overlooking her. And Britt says, wait, I have this free agent news. And the free agent news is that she has signed a long term deal with AEW. And as part of her contract negotiations, she's won the right to book a match. And the match that she's booking is Jamie and Rebel. In a handicap match versus Chris Stat on Rampage, so they'll uh, you know wear her down before the big match with Brett on Sunday.
3: I uh, you know I I think it's great that the emergence of this second major national promotion has given the given the workers more power and you know more negotiating power and more options for for making a comfortable living in pro wrestling. I got a question. I, I Tony Khan does not seem like a very good negotiator. This seems like a totally unnecessary. Uh, stipulation to throw into somebody's contract, uh, you know. I would think that Mega Prec has prepared form contracts. You know mm-hmm. that they they have a certain certain tier status, and, and you use the exact same form for every person up and down the roster. You know, with whatever exceptions for your CM Punk's, um, but uh, you know, just giving giving Britt Baker uh, booking power for a match uh, seems like you're getting a little too cute with the with the negotiating. And I I call I called Tony's. Competence in that into question.
2: And by letting Britt Baker make this match, Nate, you, you're putting your one of your big role title matches at risk. So when you give someone this kind of power, I mean, you're not just like giving someone a power to do something willy nilly, it could affect things else there. So I mean, it's not just the fact that it it's giving like the power to like this. It's also like you're I mean, Rebel could take out Chris Statlander on Friday and then no women's role title match on Sunday and it's all because Tony Khan let her make the match and mm-hmm. you have to call that judgment into doubt I think
1: I will
3: say at least I think they've demonstrated
1: exclusive. their incompetence at uh making contracts I mean they gave FTR a tag rope in contract negotiations
3: and they uh at least Britt is a better booker for herself than Vicky Guerrero who booked herself into a tag match when she had the power to book any match she wanted
1: Yes. It's an interesting promotion because you have to do like normal pro wrestling booking where like, okay, Chris Stat's in this handicap match, you got to build up something to make it seem like she can win from like a kayfabe perspective, win the match with Britt. But you also have to book against the fans' uh, expectations because I think Tony... I think puts a little too much into like what your like Twitter type fan thinks about what's going on, but he's got to take that into account of like actually convincing us that Chris Stat has some chance to win this match.
3: I uh, did. Did either of you guys listen to Tony on Observer Radio the other day?
1: No, I only heard what what Adam told me about on uh, the Patreon show.
3: Okay, uh, there was some point in there. I don't remember who he was talking about. He was talking about two guys that had just had a match and came. Came backstage, um, you know, with like Omega Unpack or somebody. Uh, and he 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 said that when they came back, he said, Great job, guys. You just had a four point four and a half star match or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Huh, I wonder now, I know wrestlers do value that. Like you hear Stone Cold Steve Austin talking about wanting to get good star ratings from Meltzer. So it's like if Stone Cold Steve Austin If that's important to Stone Cold, then that's, you know, those guys value that and that's important to them. Uh, But it was, it was very like, oh, he, he just kind of thinks of wrestling in a more ring of honor message, more poster way than I do. That's not how I approach (laughs) it.
2: Um, I I just can't think about saying like, hey guys, your match was not perfect. Like, like saying that, like on the way in, like, like that as a motivator just did not I don't know if that's the kind of motivation I would. Yeah,
3: do. you can certainly take that as a backhanded compliment, right? Where it's like, oh, okay, I guess it wasn't, you know, amazing to you. Uh, but also, like Tony, Tony's still like big in like in in personality or whatever. That him saying that excitedly, it would be hard, I think, to read him as being negative in that moment. Uh, but it was. He was also he he asked Dave, "What did you give that match?" And Dave's like, "Oh, I think it was." four and a half. And, and Tony said, Oh yeah, I'm, you know, that's exactly what I had. I'm, I'm almost always within a quarter star of you. So I was like, huh, this, he, he, you know, he, uh, he just, he does, he's doing match ratings. I don't know for his own show. That's, you know, I, I don't do ratings at all. We're just very different in that way.
1: I'm looking forward to, you know, in the style of the Gabe shoot, Gabe's book of secrets, but it's Tony's book of star ratings where he just reveals his star ratings for hey. all AEW matches.
3: Tony or Chris Jericho put out the book that's just a list of all of his own matches. Uh, Tony Khan's going to put out his own notebook, <laughs> and he's going to make bank on it.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't think I can take the discourse oh, that the, would come the, from that. The,
3: the 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 victory laps and the yeah.
1: <laughs> Ty Conti was next against Penelope Ford. Penelope Ford. Ty rolled up Penelope after Bunny tried to interfere. Ty pushed Penelope into the bunny. After the match, of course, the Bunny and Penelope attack Ty, and Anna J returns to make the save. I I don't know exactly what happened, but when they were, like, after she'd made the save, before they hugged, I could just feel myself getting choked up as I was watching this. (laughs) (laughs) And I have never felt the mixture of emotions of... (laughs) of like whatever the emotion is where you're like oh this is so sweet that i want to cry and immediately laughing at yourself for feeling that way
3: that's that's a funny one um imagine telling you know sb that when you first started dating (laughs) (laughs) she thinks you're she thinks you're a mean hardcore kid yeah Uh, i think this match this match they got a little out of sorts early on but they got into the ad break And I think Penelope kind of found her footing when she was able to get some of her spots in at that point. And then they started doing the comeback for Ty once they come out of the ad break, as they always do. Uh, And then it really started to pick up, I thought. I mean, Ty, even when Ty's, you know, not hitting on everything and not being super smooth or whatever, she always has such like a verve uh, and so much energy and just her facials are so great that you're just with her all the time. It's like, yes, I'm, I'm right there with her. Like she's laying in those kicks now. And it's all hitting for me. Uh, so, this really, I thought, picked up and ended up being pretty good.
2: Yeah, this was a whole lot of fun. I think that Penelope, like, after they shaken this, I thought, I think Penelope is like probably someone on the roster that does not get the credit that she deserves because whenever she has like an opportunity and, and like a high stakes situation, she usually delivers here. And it just was something that, like, did, I felt like it all worked really well. the calf slicer which it was something that i forgot who said this but it's like i maybe it was Oken who said like i don't buy the calf slicer because because penelope is that flexible and just how is that a factor with that but i thought that it just was all really i thought was all really solid stuff like in ring this might have been one of the stronger dynamites in a long time like nothing missed at all and then the pop for anna J, the I, they paid me to be controversial, so I'm going to say this. I felt like that her pop or return might have been louder than CM Punk's pop when he came out on the night. Like the, People love the Dark Order theme.
3: Uh, so it was a big pop. <laughs> I was, not to belabor the point because we do it on every show you know, very cool for her to get a big pop and reception when she's, you know, been working to come back from injury and all this stuff. And obviously, you know, all, the crowd really enjoyed it. Aaron was in tears. So that's all all great. Uh, it was it was very kind of bittersweet to me. because It was like, oh, great. She's back. Hooray. They're all going to be in the battle royale and half of them are going to be eliminated in 30 seconds and it's not going to matter at all. It's like all, all the work they did for all the women on this show were like, yeah, it's for the one Britt Baker match and everybody else is in the battle royale. So it's like that was, you know, just the, the the aftertaste in the in the back of my mouth.
1: Wow, Nate, did you really have to bring that up right now? I did, and I did. Hmm. Speaking of exactly what Nate just said, Thunder Rosa was backstage with Alex Marvez. She was about to talk about the Battle Royale, but uh, Vicky Guerrero, Nyla Rose, Jake Cargo interrupted. Rosa decides she better strike first. And Smart
3: Mark Sterling.
1: start. Yes, Smart Mark Sterling was there also. Uh, Rosa decides she's going to strike first. It does not work out in her favor. She gets laid out by Nyla and Jade. Mark and then Mark Sterling recognizing being
2: an effective lawyer saying, we're not going to have this because then they went face to face. Uh, Jade and Nyla is like, no, no, no. We can make more money off this. Let's not fight now. And, you know, you know, him as a manager, I think, is really effective. Like, and he's always been very solid here. And I, I like that little touch they added in on the end of the segment.
1: Then we had the main event, the Lucha Brothers and Jurassic Express versus you the think, Young I Do you think
3: Ty is a potential winner of the Battle Royale now? I know you were talking about Penelope, but uh, it kind of felt to me like they're they're heating up Ty a little bit now again.
1: Has she, hasn't she already challenged Britt? Or she's already challenged No, she th-
3: charged Sheeta. She charged yeah. Sheeta for sure. But Sheeta, of course, no longer in the company.
1: Right. But it's like, uh, yes, I feel that, that it feels like they're heating her up. But how many times can you have her challenge and lose for the title?
4: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, A fair amount, I think, because they always acknowledge that she's, you know, still relatively new at it. So I don't think you're in danger of burning that out until until you do it for real and are like, okay, she's, she's here now and she's ready
1: now. It's also like, who, what is Britt Baker? You know, usually it's like, okay, Kenny Omega is the champion. You know, we're looking for a baby face who's going to challenge Kenny Omega next. For Britt Baker, it's like, I don't know who's supposed to face him, face her next.
3: Yeah, we've talked about this, that she, uh, you know, was a heel when she won the title and the crowd turned her babyface, but she hasn't really changed her act. Um, and they've been trying to thread the needle thereafter of making her a, making her like a tweener while being the champ or whatever. Uh, and it's difficult, but I also don't, I don't think it's wrong. Tony did talk about this in the Observe Radio interview too, which is like, well, you know, you got very over as this heel and then, you know, you won, everybody was happy and you kind of became the baby face because everybody was so entertained. Uh, but they don't want to change what people like about her just because she's a babyface Now, if you do that, then she's not a babyface face anymore because uh, then you're taking away what people like about, about her as a wrestler and a character. So that feels right to me. That makes sense to me that you want to keep on with what's working as long as it's working. Uh, and it just, it just makes it a little more complicated to set up her, her opponents and, and try and get the reaction you want. But as I guess, as long as they're over, it doesn't really matter which, what direction that reaction goes.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're obviously th- the matches against Chris Statlander, who's like a white meat baby face essentially. So, they seem to be booking her against baby faces. I'm not sure that's the way to go. I probably would book her against heels. And she can well, still they did be. Well, Nyla. And
3: that, that angle is terrible. But I, I don't know that I would blame that on Nyla being a heel.
1: No, but they also, I mean, they didn't really know it. from week to week. Sometimes they were switching who was the baby face and who was the heel in, in the story. And it didn't make a lot of sense. Even in the actual match, Britt basically worked heel in the match. It made no sense. Yeah.
3: So you so you do remember the match this week.
1: I do remember the match.
3: <laughs> Last week, you forgot that match happened.
1: Yes, but remember, Brit? I do remember that Britt cheated in the match. <laughs> and so that didn't make any sense. Anyway.
3: Yeah, anyway.
1: The main event happened. We talked about it. Nick pinned Phoenix after the Meltzer driver. And then they did the, the post-match angle that we discussed. That was Dynamite for this week. If you enjoy our show, the best way to support us is to go to patreon.com slash Elite. It's going to be a huge month. I'm not just saying this. It was a huge month last month. We put out a lot of great content. Go back and listen to it if you haven't signed up yet. You want to get in now. Uh, We just had an all-out retrospective of 2020 and the preview for 2021 with uh, Wikifaze joining me to do that. We're going to have a not-so-instant reaction for this year's all-out because we're all going to be in the building, so we'll probably record that the next day and get that up for you all. We have the Discord. We got these live shows on Wednesday nights. We do a weekly Dynamite preview, vlog quick hits, a weekly uh, show about Rampage called World Tour. We cover everything in the world of AEW. When something big happens, we just did the big This Is CM Punk episode. If something else big happens, I bet we'll do a lot more shows about those people too. So we've got everything.
3: Penelope Ford did do a I've Got Tell Five spot in that match also.
1: That's right. So she didn't quite wear a T-shirt to tease it, but, you know, something there. So you should sign up. This is not just a hard sell. I'm fucking, I'm just telling you. You should sign up. It's a great bo- It's a great value. So patreon.com slash everything elite. Rampage on Friday. We've got Jamie Hader and Rebel versus Chris Statlander. CM Punk returns is what the graphic said. I'm not sure I know what that means uh darby he's Allen. he's coming back
3: to wrestling he's coming back
1: cm punk is back darby <laughs> allen versus daniel garcia malachi black versus lee johnson and miro will speak uh i guess i should say not real sure what our our rampage show on the discord this weekend is going to look like because mike and i will both be uh traveling but we'll, we're going to figure it out don't you yeah worry? we'll
2: figure it out yeah
1: it, it, it might not be
2: as immediate as it's been in the past but it will there will be both will exist. a, yeah, there'll be both world tour and a reaction show.
1: So this morning, Mike, we talked about whether Dynamite was going to be more of the go home or Rampage will be more of the go home. And it frankly looks like they've threaded the needle of doing both, of making sure that both shows are building toward the pay per view in an effective way. Yeah,
2: it, it seems like that they kind of split it in a way that like there wasn't a whole lot of uh, Chris Satlander and Britt Baker stuff this week's or this tonight and we'll get that on Friday and then you know Miro will speak I mean we only had that segment there so I feel like that they've kind of split the that they, they've kind of like split the two pretty well here and it's not it didn't feel like it was a perfunctory show and it doesn't feel like that Friday will be perfunctory as well
3: they should have uh Kojima show up on Friday and kill Serpentico or something that would be sick give Kojima a win to heat him up
1: yes yes that'd be sick uh, All Out, of course, is on Sunday. We've already got the preview on the Patreon, but neither of you guys were on there. So I just, I want to know your most anticipated
4: match for Sunday. Okay, uh, I'll go <laughs> first. Uh, I'm really excited
2: to see Kojima. I, I'm excited about John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. That is very interesting to me. So Very I, off
3: the board pick. I'm going to go with CM Punk versus
1: Darby Allin. Alright. That's a reasonable pick, I think. I mean, I'm a little surprised. But I mean,
3: I was trying... It's, it's either that or it's the tag match. And I, I, I was yeah. sold pretty
1: hard on the tag match today.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm more excited about the cage match. What am I saying? Thank okay. you. <laughs> I mean, look. Kojima, he's great.
3: He can still go. It, I, 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 it's not going to be, you know... Uh, it's not going to be Omega or okay. Okada.
1: Yeah. Uh, we've heard there will be surprises plural on this show. I think we all expect do we all expect to see Brian Danielson at all out?
3: So where did we hear surprises?
1: I think we heard it from Sean Ross Sapp and Andrew okay. Zaharian, the Matman.
3: Ooh, the Mat man. Well, if the Batman <laughs> says it, then I'm all in. Brian yes. Danielson for sure.
1: Yeah,
2: I think. Brian Danielson and Ruby Soho are my expectations. Maybe Adam Cole in some fashion, like, I, but I would say that Adam Cole I have trailing behind uh, Dragon and Ruby Soho.
3: Yeah, I think I think Cole. They didn't already jump and do Cole immediately and just be, do the novelty of, hey, he was on NXT two days ago, or now he's on AEW. If they were going to do that, then I think you maybe want to give him some space so he doesn't get totally eaten up by Brian Danielson, um, but. Yeah, uh, I I also do hope I know you're a Flight of the Valkyries guy, Aaron. But I I listened to the final countdown today, and just the beginning of it, there's like a just a little bass, duh-duh, 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 durr, like durr. intro to it that I really think would be tremendous in a full arena. Even even loop that so it just kind of drones for a little and to really get the anticipation going. If anybody recognizes it, um, that's my that's my music entrance take.
1: I think Brian Danielson, for sure. Ruby Soho, for sure. And my pick for another surprise is just after the Moxley match, uh, I'd like to see Minoru Suzuki come out and challenge him.
3: That'd be a good callback to when we saw that very thing in the Tokyo Dome in 2020. Exactly.
1: All right. Well, those are some surprises I think we could see. If you want a more thorough preview... Uh, Go to patreon.com slash everything elite. Listen to the retrospective and preview. And of course, uh, Dynamite next week will be in Cincinnati. I'll be there live in person. So I will not be on the show next week. So just a little heads up to my fellow (laughs) co-hosts. So, this is why you completely destroyed Elite and Elite this week. So <laughs> so that then, you...
3: All of a sudden, we're co hosts. At the beginning of the show, he was the host. No, right. but now, yes. But now we are co hosts.
1: No, I said. I noticed that change. No, I said co host earlier in the show, also. Nah, that's mm-hmm. a lie. Okay, before. Okay. When I, when I introduced <laughs> one of you, I said co host for sure. Go back and listen to it. Re- uh, watch oh, I the I tape. Will. I will listen to the tape, watch the product. Yes, watch the product, please. Then I refer to myself as hosting the show, which I think is fair. I think it's fair.
2: Okay.
3: That's fair. I didn't need a whole uh, uh, counterpoint uh, to my to my joke. You got it, buddy.
4: <laughs> uh, well,
1: maybe next Refutation.
3: week... Refutation.
1: Maybe next week, I won't be here anymore. Wow yeah this guy this guy loves quitting podcasts <laughs> just for a week i'll be back the week after that probably uh and i'll probably do something on the patreon about like you know live something the way mike did when he went to the one so all right make sure you follow us on twitter at everything aew i'm at aaron like the car nate is that a mike is at fuji hey uh, subscribe to the podcast give us a five-star rating and review on the apple podcast app and support the show by going to manscaped.com using the code this is for 20% off plus free shipping. And also going to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribing. Uh, for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. They will see you next week.